Hello. Hey guys. Happy Hello. New Year. So welcome Hello. guys. First stream of 2022. In fact, not just for Big O, but also for I guess for developer space as well. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Uh, hope you guys... hmm. Sorry? Yeah. No, I was saying we are quite hard working. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Pat on the back. <laughs> I have this guy to pat my back. I'm going to orientate it correctly. He's patting my back now. <laughs> so yeah, today we have a very exciting uh, sharing. So we have a professor from NUS today who's going to be speaking with us, uh, in fact, more of discussion, you know, in terms of uh, how technology has uh, affected tech and what we are looking at, you know, in the next few years in the future. So before we look into the event for today, of course, to... Uh, first introduce you know some things about self uh, so maybe i'll hand over to jiaxing first on yep. introducing developer space yep uh thanks Ryan. so uh for those of you who are tuning in for the first few times uh a quick intro on what google developer space is about so uh, we are a platform to connect developers and startups from around the region to learn and connect with one another so um yeah really excited uh to be having our first session of the year uh kicking it off with big o and together with uh uncle su <laughs> uh, who will be coming on stage later on uh yep Yep, so uh, make sure you follow the different social media channels of Big O. You can see over here with our website, Facebook channel, community uh, page on GDG as well as on YouTube. So, you know, this is usually where we put our, uh, you know, events. Uh, let's say, you know, for this event, we'll post it in advance in our YouTube uh, as well as for our Facebook uh, page. So make sure you follow those uh, to get the latest update on our different events that, are, that we are looking at organizing. You know, in fact, in the next few uh, months and weeks, we probably have some you know, interesting ones. The next one is going to be about uh, burnout. So that's also something that's going to be very interesting to be talking about, you know, discuss about. Okay. So make sure you like, share, subscribe this feed if you're on YouTube. <laughs> subscribe to our channel. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, similarly for developer space, uh, yeah, we have a website and we're also on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. So if you want to know uh, what events we are hosting with developers and startup communities, uh, do subscribe to keep updated with uh, the latest news. All right. Uh, and this is also an opportunity for us to uh, give glory to our uh, new bread and butter provider. Um, so uh, right now, as you can see from various background as well, and also for from this slide, uh, we are now being sponsored by uh, Zilern for uh, for this uh, space that we can host this event. Um, so Zilern is um, uh, it's uh, one of the subsidiaries under uh, Kidon Learning Group, uh, and what they do is uh, they actually. Um, have a service uh, both available on the web and the app uh, to go and learn uh, various um, skills actually. So you can learn from people like the VP of uh, Product Innovation at Netflix. You can learn from uh, people like Simon Sinek. Uh, you can learn from Elon Musk, Richard Branson, uh, and all forms of courses. And uh, one thing that's uh, extremely interesting uh, with this product is that you can actually use your skills futures credits um, uh, for a yearly subscription. So if you have uh, any skills futures credits uh, lying around, uh, you can actually use it for free. Um, and hopefully uh, you can uh, upskill yourself, you know, in this time of pandemic, uh, this is a good opportunity for you to um, relax and um, 
learn a bit more uh, uh, life skills here and there. Mm. All right, so uh, upcoming topics, so as I mentioned just now, uh, burnout. Uh, that's actually a very interesting topic that we have been thinking about tackling for some time. Uh, and we have a exciting guest to, who will be speaking with us or discussing with us you know, on this topic. So watch out for this. Uh, we'll post more updates on this event uh, in the next month. In fact, we might be doing it in a slightly different format then. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, let's bring out our guest today. Uh, let me bring him up. Hey, Uncle Su. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's my honor to be the first guest of 2022. I just realized it's actually the first guest of 2022. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And uh, at least uh, after tonight, I can break to my kids that I'm now a YouTuber. <laughs> Main reason to be here, in a sense. <laughs> uh, right. so, so I'm uh, excited to actually start the discussion. Right. Uh, can you give a short introduction for yourself? Uh, and w w what do you do at uh, NUS? Uh, so I'm actually a, a lecturer, uh, now an associate professor uh, at the School of Computing. So I've been teaching uh, a number of computer science uh, subjects uh, for the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, so depending on how you count. Um, so uh, other than that, uh, my interest is also uh, building technology uh, to enhance teaching in my spare time. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to jump back to my slides over here. So, uh, all right. I, uh, so we, we have a few questions, but uh, I think I wanted to bring out this slide first to actually bring in uh, some context uh, towards the certain trends. In fact, this is something I managed to get from uh, the NUS. This is like the yearly intake uh, yeah. into NUS. Uh, mm -hmm. Specifically, you can see over here, there's three uh, areas, computer science, computer engineering, and BA. BA actually started around, yeah, 2013. I think this was when I was also in NUS. So you can see actually they, there's no stats over here because it started only at that year. Mm. Uh, but it's a really interesting trend. Uh, you can see over here, I was looking at it and I realized that, you know, most of these years is usually around the same numbers. Computer science usually is more. But at 2017, something changed and there seems to be like an increase since then. Uh, and I thought, yeah, this would be a very interesting, um, I guess, chart in a way to sort of kick off our discussion over here and okay. maybe to throw in uh, the first question over here. Ooh. Yeah. So th there seems to be a lot more interest in the uh, this few years in regards towards uh, tech. And like, what do you guys think about this trend? You know, towards now there's a lot more people moving towards going towards these disciplines in the universities. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to take away this. Yeah, so you can see Julius. So, so the, actually, the, the first thing is that when you bring up the chart, it almost made me uh, cry again. Uh, <laughs> this is actually the, the, um, uh, the pain right, that uh, all, all uh, computer science teachers is going through right at the moment. Um, mm. The increase can only be described as explosive. right? So in maybe just the last two to three years, uh, every year we're actually uh, seeing a 30 to 40% of increase. Uh, in a way, this is uh, uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, right? You can call it a good luck of uh, basically a combination of several reasons right, going at, at the same time. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. it's in these few years that uh, we start to see huge success story right, uh, in mm -hmm. IT startup and so on, right, in the newspaper and so on. Uh, and we have uh, more tech giant coming to Singapore to set up headquarters and so on. Uh, we have uh, actually news that covering right, all these uh, uh, new uh, unicorn right, in the tech industry and so on. 
uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, sometimes uh, I, I hate to put it in this way, but sometimes Singapore uh, Singaporean parents could be a bit more quite practical. They will actually look at what is actually the greater pay as one of the consideration uh, factor. And mm. uh, uh, to put it mildly, right? Unfortunately, our graduates are doing very very well in the industry. Mm. Right? So combining all these factors together, we see this huge boom, right? Uh, in, in the interest of uh, computing. Uh, and actually, the picture you showed just now doesn't really tell the whole story. That's the scary part, right? Mm. This is student going into computer science as their major, right? But mm. uh, uh, as you know or may have heard, uh, NUS has sort of opened up the, the curriculum structure that students can actually sort of easily do a double major or minor mm. and so on. So we actually have quite a huge number of students doing double major from other faculties, uh, doing a minor right from other faculties and so on. So the mm -hmm. actual number that we are handling um, every year, right, every cohort is actually much larger than what you actually see in the charts. Uh -huh. yeah. mm. So what was the implications of having more students doing double majors, uh, like mm. taking this as part of their discipline throughout their education in uni? Mm. Is this something that they, uh, I mean, going by the trends in the school, um, probably you'll know mm. better. Do they stick mm. to, let's say, this like in the case of computer science, that discipline as part of what they will uh, be employed as, you know, when they go out in the working society. Uh, so, so in a way, I, I, I feel that the uh, uh, double major in certain combinations sometimes doesn't quite make sense. When, when you hear someone do uh, A and B plus together, you will just go, huh? how, how do they work together? Uh, mm. But at the current stage, you find that uh, computing is an easy discipline to go with many others. Right. So, for example, if you say law and computing, it actually makes sense, right? Because uh, they are actually now quite a lot of advanced uh, in the AI technology, for example, right? Uh, they mm -hmm. actually uh, automate certain part of the, the, the law procedure. Like, uh, I, I believe uh, a while back, there's actually a study uh, that actually showed that the AI can do almost as well as some of the, 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 the lawyer in actually uh, looking for mm -hmm. uh, past cases and so on, which computer excel at. So because of that, uh, then the double major, in, in a way, is really uh, up to the imagination of the student, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. some of them are very obvious, right? So uh, computing plus a size, right, which also makes sense, right? You can use uh, AI um, approaches, right, in uh, some of the science research. Uh, you can actually mm -hmm. do AI with uh, accountancy, right, and, and so on and so forth, right? So uh, at this point in time, uh, that's also partly why it's so popular, right, as, as a double major, uh, ingredient right that that the student will choose right so uh, at this point in time I'm not sure many of those double majors the student have already, uh, graduated or not right uh, it's sort of a pretty new um uh, change right at U and US mm -hmm. so we don't yet know whether they go out and really leverage right on this uh, two discipline training or in the mm -hmm. end they actually go into one certain direction right so at this point I think it's a bit early to tell. Right. But uh, we hope actually to see that they actually utilize the strength of the two fields. Yeah. So maybe I'll bring up the, the graph yeah. again because I just, okay, I'll take away the question as well. So yeah, the one of the things I'm, I'm really curious to ask about, again, mm. this is open to the floor. I think Julius mm. being in the working industry, uh, Jia Xing, you also have been uh, in different companies for some time now. Like I wanted to ask like, what do y'all think uh, in terms of the the uptick, you know, since 2017, so I, I'm just going to highlight somewhere over here. You can see over here, 2017, and suddenly things changed. Uh, was wondering if you guys have any insights towards like what uh, could have propelled this huge change. Like it, it, 
technology wasn't something that was suddenly new and then like everyone started wanting to move over that discipline. It has been there for, I think like since what, like startups has been there, uh, thriving around there for maybe like 20, early 2010s or all that. But it, this seems to be a very interesting, like instead of a gradual growth, suddenly a huge increase. In fact, almost twice, right? In, in just two, three years. Mm-hmm. Like I think maybe mirroring what you mentioned just now, like 40% every new cohort. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a, okay, I don't want to try and joke, but like I do have maybe a bit of a theory, but again, like please share if you have any other thoughts. I, I remember this was around the time when I was close to graduating uh, or maybe graduated for a few years. And this was the period where I believe salary really blew up as well. I think somewhere in the year of 2017. In my mind, I remember it was Grab. I, I tried to find the article, but I couldn't really find it now. But this mm. was when they were offering very high salaries for fresh graduates. So... That was something that was a huge culture shock to me and my friends back then because that, that was kind of like, whoa, is this possible for a fresh grad? And it seems like things did follow that trend after that. Like, again, the same story about salary, now pushing towards people, getting more into this discipline. But I'm, I'm interested to see if there's like any other reasons you guys feel might be pushing this trend towards in this direction. Maybe I can share a bit of uh, insights as well, but it's probably more framed as a question, uh, which I think uh, Jasin and Uncle Sue might actually be able to add more. Uh, so I, I am actually thinking from the perspective whereby, you know, um, the increase in the number of students enrolling uh, in, in this, um, uh, in, especially in computer science, right, seems to be largely fueled by money. As with almost anything in history, right? Like you go to education so that you can actually earn money. That's uh, uh, whether you like to uh, say it, you know, uh, out loud or not. Uh, that seems to be uh, to some degree, right? Uh, why people go to education to uh, take a university degree is primarily because, you know, uh, they want to uh, actually earn money, right? Uh, I have seen... Um, a statistic uh, a few week a few weeks ago actually, whereby there was a computation that was done, and what they found out is that uh, university graduates right tend to actually earn uh, about ninety eight percent, like the ninety eight percent more likely to earn more money than a non university graduate, uh, and also throughout their lifetime right, uh, the net difference of the amount of money uh, a university graduate earns. It's somewhere around uh, 500,000 uh, in comparison. So you have 500,000 more dollars t- towards the end of your life uh, if you're a university graduate in general on the average. Mm-hmm. So it seems to actually be fueled by uh, this kind of phenomenon. Uh, I think also the good thing about Singapore having more and more people going to computer science, and this is my uh, very isolated view, right, is that um, technology... Uh, seems to be an evergreen, uh, uh, how shall I say, part of the economy. Uh, there's always things that can be improved using technology. Um, and I think that the last decade or two, right, uh, there has been doomsayers already that, um, you know, uh, technology is uh, going to slow down because we are peaking and stuff like that. Um, but what we have found over the last 20 years is that uh, things seems to continue to accelerate. Um it's um, hard to say whether the next couple of decades will have the same result. Uh, of course, as now what we are seeing is that uh, from consumer 
um, from consumer, how should I say, from using technology uh, to benefit the consumer, right, in terms of entertainment, in terms of uh, access to information and so forth, uh, it's now slowly disrupting all sorts of uh, fields, right, health technology, education technology, financial technology, so on and so forth. Um, so it might actually slow down, uh, but it will always be there to improve lives. Um, so in a way, it kind of puts Singapore in a good position. Uh, but also the other worry is that um, as we try to uh, have more and more, uh, how shall I say, students uh, who have computer science specialization, right? Um, it is unclear how this will affect Singapore's economy. Uh, first of all, like if you are hiring computer science graduates, right? Uh, in terms of, uh, how shall I say, uh, purchasing power? If I can put it that way, uh, Silicon Valley companies actually are better funded than Singapore companies, for example. So the entrepreneurs in Singapore uh, will continue to uh, be challenged by, uh, you know, talent crunch because um, people tend to want more money. Yeah. Uh, so it uh, remains a question whether, uh, you know, entrepreneurship can thrive in Singapore because of this phenomenon. So at, at that, uh, from this angle, I'm actually interested to hear what Uncle Sue or Justin might have, might have to say. Um, I, maybe I can go first because afterwards I have a question for Uncle Sue. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, I think Ku made a comment uh, 2017. So he said um, 2017 was the year we pushed a lot more training in the tech sector through a skills future program. Um, yeah, I think um, 2017 was also the year where we saw one of the highest uh, startup, fund, startup funding uh, in Southeast Asia. So I think uh, on that note, I think Weiyuan, you mentioned you mentioned about a uh, startup and the talent crunch earlier. So I think maybe uh, that period of time, um, there was a lot of talk about startups raising money and hiring developers. And that could be why uh, people are more likely to want to pursue computer science. Um, and then this leads to the next question uh, for Uncle Su. So I know this chart talks about uh, enrollment, but uh, for the admissions, um, was, there, was it a conscious decision to accept a lot more um, students in 2017 onwards? Like, was, did the number of applications for computer science uh, maybe double or triple? And that's why uh, the school felt that you had to open up more slots. Or was it actually about the same compared to previous years? But um, it's just that uh, you felt, uh, your, the department felt that um, you have to invest more resources into this. Okay, uh, so this question actually has, uh, again, multiple parts of answer. Uh, so one part of it actually sort of linked back to the previous question. I think one thing that we sort of already hinted at is, uh, I believe around the same time, uh, Singapore government is actually pushing quite hard into the tech sector. Uh, if you recall, there's actually a Smart Nation initiative, and then you actually have the cybersecurity, right? And then there was actually a huge number saying that, oh, there are 30,000 uh, 30, uh, 30, jobs, I believe, right? The number is actually quite huge, right, in, in the cybersecurity sector and so on. Uh, and uh, one thing that may not be very obvious to maybe uh, uh, people from other countries is that in Singapore, uh, every department actually uh, have a, 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 a quota in a sense that's suggested by MOE. Right? Uh, so uh, they basically look at the forecast of the industry 
Uh, and then they will try to say, okay, we think this industry actually need more people. And then they will actually encourage the department to take in more. So in a sense, it's not a unilateral decision that we, we feel that, okay, we will just double our intake. Uh, but rather, it's actually a, a combination of factors, right? So because of the booming in the market, uh, there are a lot more applications coming in. And at the same time, uh, we actually also uh, are encouraged right, uh, to actually take in uh, more students at the same time. Uh, so that's why you see uh, a double effect, right? So now uh, our cutoff is much higher than before. Uh, we are now the top three in NUS. We are we are actually on par with uh, law and medicine right? on, 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 uh, in terms of cut, which is unheard of before. Uh, and uh, even so, the number that we are looking at is actually at this level, which is quite scary. Right? So what you are seeing at are actually are the top uh, students, right? Uh, the 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 the, the uh, best student in the particular cohort, right? Going into computer science, right? So yeah. Okay, I have another. I have one question. <clears throat> uh, hopefully, try and make it sound appropriate. So, I think <laughs> uh -huh. the sentiment that you mentioned, like uh, right now the cutoff score for entering the course is, is such a high mark, right? Mm. How does the school ensure, or how can educational uh, institutions ensure they mm. bring in the right talent, so to speak, like in the yeah. sense that. Of course, you'll get a lot of people who can do well on paper, like being able to get like mm -hmm. good level results, doing well, okay, in poly as well. But mm -hmm. how would that translate into, is it doing well in that particular field? Okay. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, I, I think that this seems like a trend. I always answer questions with multiple parts. Right? So uh, the first part is uh, we actually noticed this right from the get-go. Uh, we... I think all share the feeling that uh, sometimes in this particular field, right, probably the same for, for most fields, uh, that the passion uh, and the, the uh, aptitude right, uh, for, for the particular field is quite, quite important. Uh, and uh, academic result may not directly correlate to, to, to the aptitude right, in the sense. Right? So that's the first thing. So what we have uh, tried to do in the recent year is that we still reserve uh, a, a certain quota right, for discretionary in, uh, intake. Right, meaning that we don't just take all students based on A-level uh, result uh, or the A-level result uh, equivalent, but rather we actually look at other factors. Right? So for example, the student um, did well in a, a computing competition before, uh, they already have a startup right? or something like that. Right? This example, uh, that's actually how we ensure uh, we have a, a good mix right, of, of students with uh, passion. Uh, then the other part to this answer is that, uh, uh, interestingly, uh, we, we, uh, we have a colleague who actually run some uh, uh, non-official study. Huh? By the way, this is non-official. Right? Please don't say this is like a research show that did this. Right? So he, he did an unofficial study of among the students. And then it seems that the student who did well in A-level eventually do very well in computing and go out to be right, some of the... the, the the top developer as well, right? So it's not true to say that uh, then a good result doesn't translate to uh, a good uh, interest in computing. Right? So there's just the, the multiple <laughs> aspect of this uh, answer, right? So we try to ensure by reserving some quota, but at the same time, uh, because the student does have uh, a good foundation and they are most of them are very motivated, right? They are very driven, right? Uh, and uh, it, it seems to actually turn out uh, to have a good result in the, in the end as well. Uh, okay, just to bring up a question by someone in our audience, 
uh, I think Ku is asking about the forecast. So I think this is for Jia Sing's question to Uncle Su uh, previously, right? I think forecast from MOE, right? Uh, that's what it's mentioned mm. on the intake. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that that uh, it is like a crystal ball to me, right? So we don't really know how uh, they actually come up with this number. We always puzzle uh, uh, about that, right? Uh, because uh, uh, when, when you actually face with a 30-40% increase, uh, although we are happy that uh, our discipline is now in, in the, the spotlight, we also have the same doubt as, as most of you here. Uh, do we actually have that kind of demand? Uh, but of course, uh, uh, Singapore government, right, as far as, as we, we know, they actually, based on some data they actually have, right? So looking at multiple factors, they do see that this may be a, factor, a sector they actually want to grow. Right? That, that could be a main reason. Or they do see uh, a, a huge demand right, of, of the sector. So far, it does seem that it, it pans out uh, as in our graduate uh, actually step up, right? meaning that there's actually a real demand in the, in, in the market. Right? So, yeah. So moving on to another question. So I think the it's very interesting now that there's, uh, like just now we mentioned about things like the Smart Nation Initiative, there is definitely that interest and that institutional effort to push towards more people in this industry, in this institute. Uh, how has the challenges changed though? Like I would imagine that for myself as a student, going in uh, from, you know, in the early 2010s, uh, I can see there's a lot of, maybe some small differences here and there, Compared, okay, to say a lot, but small differences here and there. When I look at the uh, juniors coming out from the same batch, you know, now they're touching a lot more different fields. Like when I came out, when I first came out, there wasn't even things like you know AR, VR. Like those ML. weren't very popular <laughs> fields. Yeah, yep. ML, mm -hmm. AI. Mm -hmm. Now we are onto mm -hmm. blockchain, so things have changed okay. a lot. Mm -hmm. Has it mm -hmm. changed a lot in terms of the challenges and the syllabus in the school, you know, towards the demands of the mm -hmm. students, like essentially? Uh, so, uh, in, in a sense, I actually, this question, uh, if you look from the teaching side, uh, it's actually quite interesting, right? Because uh, imagine you're teaching a class of 200 before, now you're teaching a class of 400 sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and some of our class are 600, 700, right? So, that's actually a teaching problem. But uh, from the student side, uh, I'm not sure they have a vastly different challenge than before. Uh, they, they have the usual uh, issue of uh, they, they are struggling to find uh, ways to actually uh, highlight themselves, right? Because uh, now you have so, uh, such a large cohort, how do you distinguish yourself, right? How do you make yourself stand out? Right? That, that is actually still a, a pretty challenging problem for the students. So we actually see students that with a meticulous plan on uh, what kind of internship they want to go for, uh, then... Uh, after that, you follow by the other internship and, and so on. They actually plan all this right, in advance uh, to, to make sure they actually can hit the, the, the target of uh, getting into top tech company at the end. Right? So I guess uh, now the challenge is uh, for the student is actually tr right, really trying to build a, a strong enough portfolio right, in the three or four years right, they have uh, in, in, in the school. Uh, so that's the main one that I see. Right? Uh, on the other end, that uh, we, we also see students that get into this, this discipline uh, uh, for the wrong reason, <laughs> uh, which is actually common even before this, right? Mm -hmm. So we have students that uh, join this because they have a misunderstanding of the, 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 the field or maybe uh, they are encouraged by friends uh, or family or parents right, and things like that. Uh, we, we also see the, the student going into this and feel disinterest, right? Like, like okay, uh, this is actually not, not my field. I can do it, but then 
I will never feel the the the, the thrill right of doing mm. like a development. Right. So we do see that as well. Like since we, our base number is larger, then of course by proportion we have uh slightly more right student of, of uh, facing the same problem as well. Yeah. So I would say from a student side, uh, it's not vastly different. Right. Just that now there are a lot more of them. Right. Um. Then. Uh, of course, this COVID doesn't help, lah, right? Uh, because we have a cohort uh, who have never <laughs> seen their friends right? uh, since the start of, of, of the, the, the pandemic. Right? So that's different and then probably faced by all discipline, right? not just computing. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that one of the mm. challenges in terms of differentiating yourself. Mm. Uh, so I have a, fun, a quick fun question, I guess, uh, but also maybe uh, a two-part question. Okay, I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. So... Internships. So you mentioned about internships, and for okay. me as a student, the expectation mm -hmm. was one internship over four years. Mm -hmm. Now I hear mm -hmm. very different stories. Today is the average internship two for each student, and how? What's the the fun question? Uh, what's the mm -hmm. highest amount of internships you have seen a student <laughs> did in uh, school? Okay, so they they do have limited time, right? So they cannot have a very huge number. Uh, but I, I do hear students actually go on internship without claiming the credit. Mm -hmm. right? That actually happens. Right? So uh, right, right now, I think uh, it actually changed after your cohort. Right? Uh, back then, your internship is not, not compulsory. Right? Was it compulsory? Mm -hmm. right? oh, Already compulsory? I think the system was very it different. Was not, right? It was compulsory. So now it's actually compulsory. Mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. uh, so students ha uh, have to do a, a six-month internship mm -hmm. or they actually do three months uh, two of three months mm -hmm. internship. Mm -hmm. right? So that's why two is the usual number right? if they go for the shorter one right? or one mm -hmm. large one. Uh, but what I see is that there are students that actually do a, a couple of other internships on their free time. Some of them actually take a LOA right? at times to actually... Uh, LOA means leave of absence. They, they are absent from school for one semester uh, just because they, they, they clinch a very prestigious internship. They want to just continue working. Right? So it, it does happen. Right? But I think that's quite rare. Lah. Yeah, I maybe just to also explain mm. a little bit. Okay, the, that mm. during my time, I think the the mm. system was a lot different. I think back mm. then, uh, while internship was encouraged, it wasn't something that was the like to the degree of being encouraged today. I can see when I'm talking to my interns, mm. there is a very huge shift in the uh like the concerns in terms of you know students need to take the internship to learn uh mm. about what's being done outside in the industry rather than just learning in school. And I like that a lot. I think it's good that the school has also sort of uh, adapted to that by making the systems better, easier for people to get internships. Mm -hmm. Of course, I also say like, yeah, nowadays it's also kind of like uh, a lot more, like companies do want to also attract a lot of talent in, be it mm -hmm. like you know, full-time employee or even interns to continue towards that. So I think, yeah, now is really, if you're a student watching this, it's really a very favorable landscape today. You know, in terms of getting internships out there uh, to, again, to differentiate yourself uh, in a way. Yeah, and, and actually some company, I believe they are using internship as a, a probation, mm. right? So because uh, now hiring cost is high, right? You want to make sure you get the right person, right? Uh, and even though tech companies do crazy rounds of uh, interviews, uh, but mm. I don't think that will, can compare with a six-month internship that you actually can see how this person uh, work right uh, uh for real right so uh, some company does actually take the internship as some kind of probation mm. right uh and that's why uh students are really competing i uh, try to get into some of these uh, internship right so yeah multiple uh, factors yeah 
Um, and Pursu, thanks for sharing your thoughts. And I was actually interested to know as well. Uh, so um, we have seen a huge concentration of uh, computer science students, uh, as you mentioned, you know, kind of uh, taking internships here and there, uh, kind of developing their skills uh, in those areas. Uh, and of course, because they also have limited time, right? Four to five years in school in, on the average, right? Uh, do you see also that with the amount of investments that they're doing in computer yeah. science courses, uh, are there uh, any things that are sacrificed along the way, such as, let's say, for example, yeah. um, sophistication yeah. in things like in the arts, for example, in the humanities? Yeah. And do, do you yeah. think it's uh, something that we have to be concerned about? Uh, that, that's, a, again, a great question, which is uh, uh, at this uh, moment is a big question that uh, that NUS is trying to answer, not, not just computing. Uh, so if you actually look at the, the current development right, uh, in, in, in NUS is that they are now trying to uh, train the student in multiple disciplines, right? rather than the back then that when you go into science, let's say you go into biology, you're silo and go into just this discipline. But rather now we actually merge right, uh, the science and uh, the faculty of uh, arts and social science uh, into one college. So students in the first year are taking a broad-based um, uh, training. Uh, this is actually happening across the university, right? Not, not just these two uh, faculty. So uh, we, uh, in recent year, we are actually reducing our core, right? Uh, core means uh, modules that you have to take, right? So we are reducing the core and opening up, right, the degree so that, uh, like I mentioned before, now it's actually easier for you to do double major. Right. Back then, you have to plan meticulously and then you probably can't finish in five years. But now you actually can do a double major in probably four years right? or, uh, or do a minor quite, quite easily. Right? So that is actually the shift right, in the entire uh, design right, of, of the curriculum at NUS. And I believe it's actually also starting right, uh, to, to, um, to, to start right, in other um, universities. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Uncle Su. Uh, and yeah, no we might if I ask a follow-up question yeah. as well, right? Uh, yeah, sure. So what, what mm -hmm. we have seen in uh, other countries, for example, such as uh, mm -hmm. Taiwan mm -hmm. uh, and also mm -hmm. in India, whereby a lot of mm -hmm. uh, students, right, actually uh, race towards the master's degree. Uh, so mm -hmm. until they get the master's mm -hmm. degree, they don't actually uh, go to the, you know, to the, to the workforce. And mm -hmm. the core idea, it seems, is that like uh, actually only until you get a master's degree, then you're recognized. Um, do mm -hmm. you see the same thing happening in Singapore? Uh, interestingly, we actually see the opposite. Opposite meaning that we are having a hard time to persuade Singaporean students to do a master or PhD. Right, uh, we're actually struggling very, very hard. Uh, and uh, like I mentioned before, uh, uh, this is a good <laughs> and bad characteristic of, of a Singaporean that uh, uh, Singaporean are usually very uh, practical, right? So they will actually sit there and then uh, do a calculation, right? Very easy, right? Five years uh, of uh, doing a PhD, which is the average time, versus five years in the industry. And given that the industry is paying so well now, uh, you can never <laughs> win this calculation, right? In a sense. So uh, we actually have a pretty hard time, right, to actually uh, uh, encourage students uh, to go into research, right, for further study at, at the moment, right? So we usually have uh, more postgrad application, right, from other countries rather than local. So uh, at the moment, uh, I, I don't see this trend happening yet, right, because uh, I think uh, one thing maybe is actually the industry, the demand is still high, right? So I guess if you see that the, the demand taper out, 
then because you want to stand out, you want to distinguish yourself, then you say, oh, I have a master, right? Sounds better than right? just, just a bachelor. And I think that's where you go down that particular uh, slope, which is uh, at the moment not happening, I believe. I think we have someone in the audience who also uh, agree with it. Yeah, the high opportunity yes. cost. In a PhD. Yeah, that, that's exactly the, the reason. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Does this signify a different trend though? Like, so, okay, I, I was speaking to one of my interns before mm. and it does, uh, what uh, this intern told me was that uh, I think in NUS, there was also some program that actually push uh, students, like this is for undergrad, push them towards uh, other ways of differentiating themselves, like besides going for master's or PhD, instead going for things like, you know, getting a cloud certificate from Google Cloud, AWS. Like, is this part of the direction that the school also looks at, you know, getting students to differentiate themselves? Pushing them uh, so, in that direction, I guess. Mm. Uh, so in the uh, at the moment, I don't think we have a very how do they structure way of mm. uh, helping the student to differentiate themselves, but rather we are, in a sense, giving them the opportunity or exposure uh, to let them know that this is what happening outside, right? So mm. uh, don't have the very traditional understanding. I, I score all A's in my in my uh my modules, then I'm good enough, right? So mm. we uh emphasize this repeatedly throughout that they are. Um, uh, degree program, uh, but we don't have a lot of uh, structured way, right? Like I say, to actually help them to differentiate themselves. For example, you mentioned certification and so on. Uh, mm. So uh, as far as I know, I don't think we ever encourage that, at least in CS, mm. right? Meaning that there's no module saying that, oh, uh, you take this module, then you get a certification. That's never the way that uh, we, we uh, structure a module right, in the sense, mm -hmm. uh, but rather we uh, will have modules that actually let them see uh, what's actually happening outside. We invite industry speakers to come, come back in. Mm -hmm. uh, then they understand what is needed right, uh, for further to distinguish, uh, distinguish themselves. And I believe the senior effect is also very important. Right? They see mm -hmm. how the senior um, um, uh, manage to actually differentiate themselves and they are actually imitating them. Right? So I think that's actually more a stronger influence right, on, on the current generation. Yep. Do you have a question from the audience? So I'm going to bring it up. So I think this one is a bit of an inversion of all these questions we have asked earlier on. So, so far, we've been asking more about what mm. uh, technology has, or rather what the change in this uh, industry has done to education. But I think this one is a bit of an inversion, which is how has technology helped education? Uh, mm. And this is an uh, interesting question, I guess, because of, I, we have done a project on that. And I guess it's yes. also up at the <laughs> Uh, so uh, this is a large topic, right? So uh, if we actually want to talk about this, we probably can spend an hour on this. Uh, so uh, as a very simple way to look at things, uh, I think technology, you can sort of uh, see them in several uh, common usage, right? One mm -hmm. is uh, essentially it helps you to scale up, right? meaning that these are things that you can do before, just that having technology help you to actually scale it up, right? You can actually handle more students right? and so on and so forth. One example would be, uh, you can imagine auto-marking, like auto-grading. Before that, you can grade the script yourself, but then now using auto-grading, you can probably grade uh, two, three hundred of students. Right? So that's actually uh, the first one. Right? Uh, you do scale up. Uh, the second one is actually en en enhancing your, your teaching, right? meaning that uh, there are certain things that you can't really do before, but then now you can add into your teaching. Uh, a very simplistic example would be uh, videos. Right? Before that, uh, it's probably hard. Right, to actually have a uh, video clips right into your lecture slides or whatever uh, it's probably hard to actually have an uh, interaction right inside your, your lecture and so on uh, but now we're actually able to do it right that's actually the, the plug for 
uh, Williams and uh, I, uh, my project, uh, I guess, right? We actually have a large scale classroom response system that you can actually interact with uh, several hundreds of students right, at the same time. Uh, but I think the last category that's uh, the most interesting and uh, as far as I know, we have not seen an actual example yet would be to really reinventing right, uh, the education, which is actually part of the question, right? Uh, so uh, we have not seen how technology totally changed uh, education, meaning that there was something that can uh, was not even dreamed of before and now it's actually being done, right? So at this point in time, we don't have that, but more... Uh, of the previous two categories, right? Either we scale up or enhance, uh, but we don't have something totally new yet, right? So that, that's the point, yeah. Uncle Su has a follow-up question, mm. right? Uh, something mm. that I think uh, our audiences and I think a lot of people have been thinking about, right, uh, mm. is the accessibility of uh, quality education. Uh, mm. We have seen, for example, that over the past couple of decades, right, uh, the, uh, the cost to, you know, uh, for us to get a good quality education is actually going much higher than inflation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that said, uh, also with COVID, right, we have also seen that, you know, over the past two years, there has been a certain amount of shift towards uh, online learning and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. So that having said, uh, do you see that, uh, you know, with this ongoing trend, uh, do you see that online learning can help actually mitigate some of the rising costs in education? Oh, yeah, actually, uh, that's what I originally thought because I thought uh, now you actually have more ways to assess uh, high-quality education, right? So uh, several very uh, famous examples would be you actually can assess uh, some of the courses from uh, famous uh, university, right? Harvard, MIT, uh, they have their, their open courseware. Uh, you can go on to Coursera. Some of them are not free, like, uh, of course, right? but then it's more uh, accessible right, uh, than before where they are actually in the classroom somewhere, right, that you have to cross the ocean to reach, but now you actually can assess them, right? Uh, so now the, I think the question become, uh, how do we know right, uh, uh, when, when, when a certain person claim that they have finished this course, they actually have the skill set and knowledge, right, uh, that is actually being taught, right? So in the sense, uh, the university, one of its role, not the only role, uh, is to certify that this student at least went through our rigorous assessment. Uh, we uh, are relatively sure, right, that uh, he, uh, he or she has the uh, required right, skill set or knowledge, right? So this is actually the part that is still missing and not easily solved because uh, online teaching, uh, maybe this is a question that we can discuss later on, online teaching only good for certain aspect of teaching, right? It cannot really entirely replace, right, uh, the, the, the current uh, way of teaching. Uh, and you can only assess right, the student ability in some way, but not, not the entire spectrum. Right? So I think that's what is currently missing. Yeah. Mm. I see. Thank you so much, uh, Uncle Su. Yeah, and no if problem. you don't mind, uh, follow up, uh, I guess, follow up to the follow up. Yeah, sure. um, so <laughs> uh, so uh, when you mentioned that uh, the verification right, of the mm. students, uh, uh, how should I say, qualifications, uh, mm. you know, um, after completing the course and so forth, um, do you see that internship could be a good testament that they are actually uh, competent mm. enough to uh, you know uh, perform in the industry? Uh, so now now the question become when you go for internship, the one that is most qualified to to uh, sort of uh, verify that you have the skill set is the company. Now you have to uh, then think about whether the company is willing to certify the student. 
right? Uh, so uh, we will be able to understand that uh, we are actually uh, very grateful that the, the, the uh, various companies taking our student for internship, uh, but asking them to to actually evaluate the student in depth. Uh, and then certified that they actually have the skill set is probably too much of an ask, right? Uh, so that, that is the problem, right? So, but if the company are willing to do it, right, then I think internship uh, will be a valuable uh, verification of the student skill. Yeah, and that's probably why internship is now so competitive right nowadays. Yeah. Actually, I also like to maybe butt in a little bit to answer an earlier question. You know, in terms of online learning and. Uh, ha has it somewhat helped to reinvent uh, maybe the education industry a little bit? Uh, reinvent in the sense of whether it's considered essential in hiring, um, getting staff hired, let's say even in a uh, what's that, technology industry. And to me, right, uh, I mean, I do have an anecdote or rather like evidence in real life where hmm. I actually hired, like when I was back then in two companies ago, I hired someone without hmm. any qualifications in that field. Uh, funnily enough, I, I hope this person is watching this or watching it sometime later. I'll probably send this to him or her later. But essentially, this person got a master's in architecture. Mind you, mm. architecture in building buildings, not building software architecture. Mm. So, uh, and this person went through, like, I think one of the examples mentioned by Uncle Su just now, Coursera, mm. Uh, mm. did a lot of this uh, different uh, exercises, mm. went on to do projects uh, at his or her own time to gain experience in those areas and finally being able to get uh, a short stint or a few freelance projects and going into this full-time job with us. Mm. yeah. So I think those, it seems like for me, maybe I'll translate this into a question and maybe also towards the floor, I guess mostly mm. towards Julius and Jiasinga, which is mm. like for companies, do y'all see, like let's say if you are hiring for your companies, do y'all see the trend shifting in this area as well? Because I, I do have a slight worry that as an Asian uh, companies, right? It, mostly Asian companies wouldn't do that. Like. Maybe Western companies would. Asian companies would want to, you know, have that hard, like, pen and paper. You, know, you must have the paper qualification or else, you know, we, we don't really recognize it. Uh, rather than maybe, you know, how about you try out our interview exercise? How about you talk to us and see, you know, maybe you do have the skills. It's just that not having that rigorous education behind. I suppose I should comment first, right? Because uh, comparing our hair color, mine is uh, the whiter oh. one. <laughs> um, yeah, you have seniority <laughs> based on that color. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, uh, I guess based on my experience also, and uh, I could be totally off, right? Um, based on my experience, we actually have hired people with... Um, very little known qualifications. Um, for example, we had one who didn't uh, even actually graduated from school. Actually, not one, a couple of them actually. Uh, but they also end up, ended up becoming some of our best uh, software engineers. Um, and what we found is that uh, during the interview process, right, uh, whenever we test for general cognitive ability, uh, their ability to uh, approach uh, various forms of problems uh, and actually come up with the solution. It may not necessarily be algorithm questions, data structure questions, uh, just a typical, hey, you know, there's something wrong in production. Uh, how do we actually uh, find out the root cause? Those kind of questions. Or it could be things like, um, okay, here's a very vague instruction on how to do things, right? Uh, and then we try to see uh, what kind of questions they ask uh, and whether the questions that they're asking actually leads to the answer. 
uh, what we found that, uh, of course, you know, uh, uh, with a lot of respect to people who think differently, right? Uh, because you surely will have um, a huge spectrum of people uh, and uh, they, they have different ways of uh, solving problems. Uh, we found that uh, people who actually ask the right questions uh, can actually arrive at the uh, result that you want. Uh, so wow. we, uh, so in a sense, uh, even if they don't have the necessary uh, bright shining qualifications, uh, we as long as um, they're able to address right, you know, uh, the questions that we ask in the interview enough, uh, we tend to see a high degree of success. Uh, on the other hand, however, we uh, also have to take into account, I guess, the amount of resources companies invest. Uh, because if you think about it, uh, having a good resume, having a, a good profile, right, uh, it actually um, helps create signals. Signals that uh, will increase the chances of you arriving at a good, you know, at a good uh, candidate uh, to actually be employed. Um, so I think it's uh, something also that's difficult to discount uh, because as a company, you want to optimize your resource. And this is something that uh, is not easy, I think, for uh, companies to identify. Mm. <laughs> Julius, yeah. you went so in-depth. I don't know what else to add on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I do agree. Uh, I think sometimes like certifications and qualifications may not be the most important. Uh, but also definitely uh, there's a clause. Like, I mean, um, for instance, uh, if Google Cloud team is hiring, they are definitely uh, having a GCP certification definitely is going to be a huge plus. So I think it really depends on the job. But uh, if it's not as technical, I don't think um, like qualifications or certifications are going to be the most important. Um, even uh, to add on, I think uh, interview process may also not uh, be the best way to evaluate someone uh, because I think um, for interviews, um, we people always put up the best appearance, right? We do know the right things to say. Uh, we know what the interviewer is sort of looking for. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you start work, so I guess it ties into what uh, Uncle Sue said earlier. Um, people having an internship there for six months is definitely going to be more valuable compared to just uh, an interview process. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's from my point of view. Okay, can I just uh, quickly follow up that uh, I think my uh, Google application back in 2015 hasn't been followed up yet. Like, Justin, if you could uh, nudge the recruiter. <laughs> yeah, overqualified. Oh, sorry, <laughs> overqualified. <laughs> yeah, too, too senior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so I think I, 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 I would like to follow up all three of you. Right? You actually mentioned something, right, which is, Actually, each old question like, uh, what is the value of the certification? Right? One, uh, one very cynical view is that, in a sense, the company is trying just to optimize their resource, like what Julius mentioned. Right? It's actually just to cut costs. Right? So if you can look at a CV, you know uh, at least this person has a chance that I don't need to spend one month right, to interview this person. And more importantly, right, after I take this uh, person on board, I don't need to spend another three months to train him or her. Right? So... That is actually the very cynical point of view, right? 
But the other one that uh, what what way and uh, the example from way and uh, earlier is that uh, actually the real value of education right is actually to train you to be able to learn properly, right? Meaning that uh, a long time ago, right, being an engineer trained as an engineer means that I can throw you into any industry, and you actually can pick up the skill right and accept, right? So that that's the real kind of training that uh, uh, education actually should achieve. Rather than saying, oh, this guy know ABC, but rather we know that even if this person doesn't know ABC, we have trained him or her well enough that they, they actually can pick up, right? Just that whether you, you're willing to spend the time to let uh, the person to pick up, right, at the job, right? So it's actually not a surprise to me that someone with a master in, in architecture, which is actually one of the hardest uh, discipline to go into in NUS, for example, uh, and can do well right in, in uh, computing right if uh, he or she actually have the interest and actually did right relevant courses right so that is actually not a surprise to me yeah uh, if I can just address uh, part of the what you mentioned earlier on mm. uh, in regards to the value of certification uh, maybe mm. just more for me but also to the rest if uh, you all want to add in uh, the value of like for me lah, what I feel about the value of certain certain certification. Okay, or rather, maybe I should go from another point of view, which is the value of the certification is very important and you should look at what the value is before you put it in. Um, so I'm not bashing any companies. I'm going to say some company's name. I'm not bashing anyone. Please do not come and dox me and tell me a lot of stuff. Like, if you're looking for certification that they're very easy to get, for example, if you go to the easier Coursera courses, easier Udemy courses, like those are kind of like courses there are certifications that are kind of like dime a dozen everybody can get it very easily mm. uh barriers are entry is low so the value is really low and because some of these courses are also not very well uh, i don't say well marketed but rather they are not marketed to be things that you like you can put on a resume but they they don't really put it out there so people don't really recognize it as key skills but then in the industry you do have those common certifications like ckad for example for kubernetes mm. You have the GCP certification. You have a uh, certification for other cloud providers as well. Uh, These different certifications are a lot more rigorous. It's harder to get in. Like you are supposed to go into this exam hall. Yes, it's all MCQ questions, but you're supposed to sit there for like two, three hours to do all of them. It's not like 10 MCQs, it's like 50 MCQs. And even then I've done it, it's not easy. So the barriers of entry are higher. People recognize that it's a lot. It's not that easy to get it. Once you get it, it's really a a certification that you know you have hit that certain standard law. yeah uh, so maybe just to answer like why i think from an industry why certain certifications might make sense in cutting out like let's say the noise law, like who without certification might actually work out more for a certain role let's say using google cloud uh, maybe i'll pass on to julius if uh yeah i, I think he has a question yeah, I'm actually curious to uh, kind of kind of pivoting a little bit, right? Because uh, earlier mm -hmm. Uncle Su actually did mention uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, you know teaching people how to learn, right? Uh, so I think um, if I can put it in a in a positive light, right? And this is not a marketing blurb, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I actually do believe, uh, and I think uh, mm -hmm. Wayan Chasin and Uncle Su actually would agree also, since Uncle Su has been in the. Uh, uh, teaching profession yeah. for you know decades yeah. and decades right um mm -hmm. like being a teacher a professor right uh, it's yeah. something that you know uh, it's it's quite noble actually because like you're actually um uh laying the seeds uh planting the seeds for people to be successful 
Um, and many of the things that the students actually learn from you, right, and many other professors out there uh, are things that uh, they would actually use in the next uh, 50, 60, 80, 90 years of their lives. Um, so so mm. that said, right, uh, I, I am actually curious to know from your perspective, uh, you know, mm. how do you teach people how to learn and how do you teach mm. people to, uh, how to have the, the mindset for them to be successful in life? Uh, so uh, what, what I actually find uh, interesting is that, uh, at least in the Singapore context, uh, the students, unfortunately, are f- uh, grid fixation. Uh, they have a fixation on grid, right, unfortunately. Right? Uh, that, that is a bad thing, but also a good thing, meaning that you actually have an easy handle to push them to the right direction. Right? So uh, that, uh, what, what I mean is that uh, you actually can use the assessment right, uh, in a creative way to show them that I'm not looking for memorization. I'm not asking you to, just to regurgitate your entire lecture slide for me. Uh, my, 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 my test could be open, internet could be open book, but you cannot find the answer. Right? And uh, since your grade is uh, uh, linked to that, then you're forced to learn, oh, this is what right, the teacher is actually trying to push me to. Right? So I learned the principle, but then I have to put it in a very different context or they are uh, separate uh, topics or ideas together that you have to find a ways to move them, right? Uh, synthesize them right, into one, right? So that, that is actually how uh, I usually teach my courses, right? By pushing students to actually do some very odd things in, in, in the, the test and exam. Uh, so it's quite common that after test or exam, you will see a lot of cry uh, in, in, in the Facebook back then, right? So uh, they will just scream like, Uncle Sue, why? That kind of thing. Uh, I actually even have comments at the student feedback that uh, I, I, I like your teaching, but then your uh, test question sounds like, uh, feels like IQ question. Uh, please set easier question next time. <laughs> right, uh, but but I, I, I believe they actually meant it as a joke, right? uh, meaning that uh, it's now uh, known that uh, the course is uh, mostly not painful, but then the test and exam, they are actually faced with uh, interesting challenge. And I think that's how the teacher actually can push the student. Right, uh, by really showing them this is what I value. Right? Rather than you say, okay, I value higher thinking or the uh, uh, skill and so on. But then in your test, you always say, okay, what's the definition of this? Right? Uh, what is three plus four? <laughs> and so on. Right? Then you, sh- you don't really actually value right, the kind of skill that you want them to have. Right? So that, at least that's my take on it. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Sue, just a follow-up question on that, right? Uh, it seems that you raised uh, something quite interesting, which is uh, to actually help the students, right? to enjoy failure uh, because as you can i guess as what we have observed right in asia we are quite fascinated with numbers because we are good mathematicians uh, and also uh, grades are important uh, otherwise you bring shame to family and then um, yeah the next day you <laughs> yeah i guess that <laughs> you have that's all that skin that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's the extent um, <laughs> But uh, I'm curious uh-huh. to know from that angle, uh-huh. right? Uh, because from the Western perspective, you know, failure mm. is celebrated uh, in, mm. in, in, to some degree, right? Um, mm. So, so uh, have you seen the need for Asians to actually embrace uh, failure as a means to actually improve? Like, uh, what do you, how do you see it? We, we, uh, in some courses, right, we, we cannot do this at a very large scale. I mean, that if your course is like 600 students, you can't really do this, right? But uh, sometimes we actually have costs that's actually smaller, like 50, 60. Uh, yeah, someone in the audience, if they're in NUS computing, they, they probably know which module we are talking about, right? In, in those costs, we will repeatedly throw something back to the student, 
right? Uh, that is probably the first time they get rejected over and over again, right? So uh, it's basically a, a software engineering course, uh, but instead of a fixed uh, topic, the student actually have to do market research, user tests, and so on to come up with a proposal. And we repeatedly throw back to them and say, I don't think this is valuable. I don't think anyone will use this. How can you actually prove this to us? And so on. Uh, and th that is probably the first time they actually get rejected right, for some of them. Right? Uh, and uh, throughout the course, uh, because they are picking up right, uh, new ideas and, uh, and have to develop something that's probably innovative, um, we also tell them something that is quite important, which is known as the constructive failure, meaning that you can fail, but just make sure that next time you fail, is you fail in new, interesting way, <laughs> right? Uh, if you repeat your failure, it means you never learn anything, right? But if you fail, it's fine. Just make sure you fail in a way that you can learn so that you don't repeat it, right? So that uh, can be done through teaching, but then uh, unfortunately, right, skill is a problem, right? So you, if you do this to 600 students, because the feedback is very important, right? You need to get them through this failure process uh, so that they know you are not just being like, like a statistic, right? like just trying to torture them. You have to let them know there's actually a rationale or purpose right, in this madness. Uh, that, that, that's unfortunately limited by the skill, right? So we, we do uh, uh, agree that we need to teach this to, to, to students. Uh, especially now we, we do get in the so-called stronger student, right? They may have not failed before at all, right? Uh, and school is the safest place for them to fail, right? And uh, we do actually uh, uh, try to uh, fail them from time to time, <laughs> right? Yeah, so that, that, that's again my, my take on it, yeah. Mm. I think constructive failure, that's that's a very beautiful phrase. <laughs> I, I think there's a talk on this somewhere. I, it could be even... Uh, Simon Sinek or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. It sounds very familiar. Uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, it, it's, it's probably uh, yeah, one of his talks. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I have another question next pre-submitted in. So this is going to be a question that's actually, uh, I, I feel like uh, maybe a bit tawny, but, but more <laughs> perception towards myself. Mm, mm, mm. Alright, so... And actually, out of four of us, okay, uh, Uncle Su, you're the only parent, so I guess you probably also are the only one who qualified <laughs> okay. to answer this properly. <laughs> Though I do have some opinions on this, but I'm interested uh, to hear about the, what everyone thinks. Uh, I don't think tech is the focus, uh, but there's something that is actually quite important, which is uh, probably now now quite trendy, uh, right? Uh, maybe already not trendy already. It's called the computational thinking. Uh, meaning that you understand how computation works, right? Uh, and it actually can be taught without a computer because it's not about computer, right? It's about how problem can be broken down in a way uh, that you, if you ask software engineer, we tend to break down problem in a very interesting way that not other, uh, most other disciplines doesn't do, right? We break down problem into isolated pieces. We use abstraction to... Uh, hack the details and say, okay, if this can be done, the output of this can be pumped into the other as an input, we can do further processing and, and so on, right? Uh, this is actually a valuable skill because in future, uh, the, the, the next generation, whether they like it or not, they are going to use computer as a tool, right? Then they have to understand what they can do right, on computer, right? So whether they are, you, they are doing development, right, uh, is not the point, right? If they are actually doing accountancy, law, or whatever degree, they have to know what these two can do for them, right? Uh, a very ex simple example would be you, you can imagine that all of them may need to use Excel from time to time, right? If you actually understand computation, uh, you can do magic <laughs> in, in Excel, 
right? So that, that's what I mean, right? So computation thinking may be something that uh, will become uh, uh, important core, right? Like, like the basic mathematics, right? At least that's my view, right? And actually, uh, uh, university is actually doing this. They are teaching computational thinking to all freshmen. Now it's actually a sort of a core module, right? In NUSF, yeah. So maybe I'll follow up this. Uh, mm. I think from my angle, so I actually this question was also asked. Mm. Uh, I mean, pre-submitted in also asked uh, in, in maybe one of my groups a few weeks ago. And I also like to put my answer forward that uh, very similar to Uncle Sue's answer in the sense that maybe for even kids at that age, probably the more important thing is to look more towards problem-solving skills uh, than teaching them how to look at problems and solving them. I mean, things like learning about Python, C, or that, those are essentially things that can be picked up later on as long as you have the core skill sets it's only about using it's like you have a hammer you have like two different types of hammers later you can figure out how to use which hammer to nail the nail in but it doesn't matter which hammer you use which brand of hammer or whatever uh, mm. but if you know the knowledge on how to do certain things you know how to solve certain problems i think that definitely will land in, into uh you know different capabilities or disciplines that you can pursue in your life later on uh, uh, yeah curious about what I think it was in our group chat, like we discussed about this. <laughs> really? Really? Oh. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a very yeah. interesting question because the like I'm guessing maybe also from an Asian, very Asian culture. Mm. I'm not sure about you guys, like your parents might have sent you to learn how to swim, learn how to play piano. There's always mm. that emphasis on... And tuition, I mean tuition, that's the most common one as well. Mm. But there's always that emphasis on learning skill plus one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Actually, um, my pastor shared this recently that I thought was really interesting. He was saying that uh, when we're younger, all our parents will encourage us to go for swimming, piano mm. lessons, dance classes. And then when we get to like, primary school and secondary school is like you better study don't go and spend yeah, time playing sports don't spend time playing music and then like you end up uh, sort of like mm. wasting whatever you learned when you're younger so um mm. yeah i i sort of feel that um yeah it's like the purpose right of why we want to do it uh I mean, why we want to go for certain lessons when we are young, uh, why our parents want to send us for certain lessons when we are younger. And also, um, I, in an ideal world, I would think that, yeah, the kid from a young age identify what they like and then can focus on it throughout uh, yeah, their education years instead of just giving it all up and focusing on grades. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, since I'm the, the only qualified <laughs> person here, Parents, uh, yes. so so yeah, I, I have two kids. Uh, the, my my view is uh quite simple in the sense that when when you uh get the kids to learn something, you have to, as the parent, you should ask yourself what is your objective, mm -hmm. right? So for example, learning a piano or whatever. If you say, oh, I I I, I hope that uh, he. Uh, he or she will have something else to write on the resume, right? When they actually apply for secondary school, that is a totally wrong objective mm -hmm. right uh you uh, learning piano is actually a way to appreciate music and then mm -hmm. in future when you feel down or whatever music can can actually help you right uh, and you actually can get through a difficult period uh, at least that's that's my 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 my, my take on it right mm -hmm. uh, and then then uh, if that's the case then you probably will not discourage your student uh, your, your kids to 
uh, stop playing music because this should be part of their way of living. Uh, mm. they, they will love it or, or hate it, right? If they hate it, right, just stop sending them to the, those classes. And that, that's how I think it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have another question. Uh, I'm going to mm. pull it up. So I guess this one maybe from members of the public more asking in towards mm. uh, understanding how education institutions, uh, universities mm. would think about leadership as well, you know, uh, as part of a curriculum. Mm. Uh, I'm probably going to throw in okay. things like NOC. I'm guessing that's under <laughs> NUS. <laughs> NOC. Uh, so this is uh, uh, one of those uh, big <laughs> questions uh, mm. that, uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it has uh, ever changed, right? Uh, in, a, in a good education system or in, in a good discipline or whatever, uh, where we teach the kids, we never teach them just because of the vocational use of it. Mm. Uh, so we always tell the student, okay, uh, you always complain we don't teach you the latest cutting-edge uh, technology. Uh, it's mm. not because we don't know them, right? It's because we believe there are key principles that you can learn, uh, like what we can say, right? Once you know how to use a hammer to, to construct stuff, in future, you can just pick up any kind of hammer, right? whether it's an electric hammer or whatever. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, from that viewpoint, we are not, in a sense, doing new things, right? Uh, but rather, we uh, again expose the, the, the student right, uh, to see the, the um, opportunity uh, that the discipline actually um, give to them. Uh, I like to tell my student that, uh, in a sense, we are given superpower. Right. Uh, if you actually can do software, you are given a special superpower, right? Because just imagine uh, how easy is it right, for a single person sitting in a room, a garage somewhere, type on a computer, then suddenly you have an app that can actually affect potential millions of people, mm -hmm. right? That, that is really a superpower, right? And uh, you should learn that uh, you also have responsibility, right? uh, that <laughs> whatever you develop, uh, should also uh, at least uh, don't do no harm. Right? That sounds like Google's uh, motto a long time ago. Mm -hmm. right? So uh, that, that is also important. Right? So we do teach this to the student, but then uh, the problem is uh, sometimes when you teach this, is uh, you, you lack of a context right? because they don't see them doing this until later on. Right? So most students will think, oh, this is just things that uh, the teacher have to say, uh, but they will just go in and then forget about it. Right? But hopefully these are actually uh, lesson that hopefully in future will come up from their subconscious uh, and help them to actually make a good decision, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's my very nonsensical answer to this, I guess. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I think I got a bit of Spider-Man vibes when you mentioned responsibility <laughs> and power. <laughs> ah, yes, uh, that, that is probably talking about us. <laughs> yeah. But we do also explain to the audience, just now I throw in NOC, in regards mm. to NUS, so oh. just to explain mm. that uh, NUS Overseas College, I, I guess for COVID mm. period now, probably it's a bit hard to get in. Ah, yes. uh, no, not referring to the other, mm. yeah, mm. no, not referring to mm. other NOC that has been, uh, uh, what's that, like on the news for probably the past few months. That's uh, a know. company, right? <laughs> yeah, that is a media <laughs> company. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we are running short on time. I, I want to touch on maybe our last question. Mm. So, uh, mm -hmm. also to give Uncle Su a chance to maybe reach out to our audience in terms of uh, like uh, in, in terms of outlook towards the industry, so will there be any advice you want to give current students uh, in this uh, different computing mm. courses you know, in Singapore as well as also for adults who might be looking at transitioning in? Mm. Uh, 
Okay, my advice is actually for, for, for anyone who may have an interest is that you need to ex, uh, find some way to actually expose yourself to what computing is actually about, right? Uh, we, we do have students saying, oh, I like computer game. I go into computing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually happens, right? Then they turn, oh, this is nothing that I imagine with, right? I, I actually don't see any uh, games until maybe the second or third year, right? kind of thing, right? So that's very important. You need to expose yourself to uh, what computing is really about. Right. Uh, so something that we mentioned before is mostly training uh, of, uh, of a way of thinking, like computational thinking. Then once you actually understand how we solve problem, uh, then the solution can be implemented on a computer program. Right. That is in the sense the last step of the product, but it's the front part that most of us right, are, are in computing that enjoys. So if you like this kind of aspect, uh, then computing maybe is the right match for you. Right. Uh, you also have to be realistic that uh, if you find that this is not something you like, right? You don't you you don't love right to, to solve a new problem, hair tearing problem every day. Uh it is okay not to go into computing, right? Not, not just because it's hot, then you must go into it, right? So uh, it's important to like uh, it's just a general advice that it's important to realize what you actually want, right? Rather than jumping into anything just because it's hot. Right? So, yeah, that, that's my advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Thanks, Akasu, for joining us today. I think it's, it has pleasure. been a lot of great questions, many great answers as well. Uh, definitely for those who are watching or maybe if are joining in late, do watch the entire uh, you know, event over here. This will be in YouTube and Facebook later on. So yeah, thanks again, uh, Uncle Su, for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> okay, so, okay, uh, so we'll, we'll do uh, our final... Um, uh, what do you call it, like remaining stuff uh, announcements uh, before we end today's event. Uh, okay, so let me... Okay. Oops, so, yep. So, oh, actually, uh, okay, you know, the sometimes slides don't work too well, but yeah, we do have an upcoming event later on. Uh, in fact, uh, not this month, but this is probably doing sometime in February. So do subscribe to our social media channel. Uh, definitely, this is a very interesting topic one to talk about, especially in the COVID period where I think we have here a lot of colleagues, co-workers, friends who talk about burnout. So it, this is definitely something we want to touch on and discuss about, you know, how each of us deal with it differently. Um, yep, so going towards the... Yep, so... Uh, this is our end of our event. Hope you guys have enjoyed uh, you know, our discussion today in regards to education. So make sure you remember to like, share, subscribe. You, know, you can see our big old uh, the links over there as well as for developer space. So yeah, till next time. See you guys. Adios. Bye.
Thank <laughs> you.